Specialty Story, session number 183. Whether you are a pre-med or a medical student, you've answered the calling to become a physician. Soon you'll have to start deciding what type of medicine you'll want to practice. This podcast will tell you the stories of specialists from every field to give you the information to make sure you make the most informed decision possible when it comes to choosing your specialty. Welcome to Specialty Stories. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week, where I get to have amazing conversations with physicians from every specialty out there. If there's a specialty that I haven't covered yet in the 183 episodes or 182 prior to this one that you want to see covered, reach out to my team and myself, team at medicalschoolhq.net. Give us a name of a specialist, a name of a specialty, and you can connect us if you have any of those connections as well. Let us know who we should be talking to. This week, I'm talking to Dr. Vana Raman, a pediatric endocrinologist who shares her story about becoming a pediatric endocrinologist, what she likes about it, what she doesn't like about it, what a pediatric endocrinologist does, all the amazing toys and, and advances, medical advances that are coming to the world of pediatric endocrinology and so much more. We start the conversation by talking to Dr. Raman about how she became interested in pediatric endocrinology to begin with. You know, I always knew I wanted to be a pediatrician. I was pretty set on that. I actually went into pediatric residency wanting to be a hematologist or oncologist. Um, I realized during my rotation that that was not my calling. That was not for me. Uh, I, I was drawn towards endocrinology for two reasons. Um, one is one of the mentors during residency was an excellent teacher, was a big role model and really an inspiration for me. And I, I enjoyed the pathophysiology. Uh, but really what kind of truly sealed my decision was when I did a diabetes camp uh, during residency. So I had the opportunity to be a, a volunteer physician at the diabetes camp. Uh, and, you know, I, I would recommend it for any of your students, anyone interested uh, to consider uh, doing that. I think it was a phenomenal experience. Um, not only did I learn so much uh, from the camp, uh, I, I just, you know, these kids really inspired me seeing how uh, resilient they were, how much they had to do to take care of their diabetes and still go out and have fun. Uh, so, so that was truly an eye-opening experience was a great experience. And I thought, you know, I could do this for the rest of my life. <laughs> and uh, that's when I decided uh, that this is what I want to do. So I'm interested to know, you said um, hematology oncology potentially was, was yeah. the front runner going into pediatrics. What, what was it that interested you in that specialty? Yeah, that's a good question. So I, uh, I the community that I come from, uh, thalassemia is is uh, highly prevalent in my community. I have some family members with it, so that is what I, I wanted to work in the field and uh, try to make an impact and uh, work with patients with thalassemia. And so that's what drew me into uh, wanting to do hematology oncology. But you know, I 
it was hard. It was hard during my rotation. And I, I like to, I think we all to some extent, I, I like to see kids better. And of course they do get better. Uh, I have a lot of respect for hematologists, oncologists, but I like to see faster results. And that was just hard for me. So I, I you know, I, I enjoy endocrinology, enjoyed it much more. And I think it was the right career choice for me. What are some of the biggest myths or misconceptions around pediatric endocrinology that you're constantly battling, whether it's other other physicians or, or healthcare providers or residents or medical students? Absolutely. You know, I, I want to say, and I hear this from residents often, I think it's far more than diabetes. So I think what happens is their uh, experience is a little bit skewed. Um, in during inpatient, most of our residents, you know, I think you get a large exposure for patients with diabetes, right? Especially type one in pediatrics. We admit our own patients, so they see a large volume of, you know, we're a high volume center. They see a large volume of patients with diabetes, and when they rotate with us in clinic, they're like, you know, this is much more interesting <laughs> than I experienced, you know, during my inpatient rotation. We, we see a vast, uh, wide variety of pathology, uh, you know, right from, uh, you know, our bread and butter is, is short stature and puberty, but really far more complex uh, cases. Uh, you know, there's a lot more. It's, it's a very cerebral specialty. There's, it's, it's really a lot of detective work, putting the pieces of puzzles together. And so I think sometimes, you know, uh, you maybe miss out on that to some extent on on your inpatient experience, but it's a lot more than that. And, uh, you know, I will say the other thing is, um, you know, not everybody with short stature necessarily needs growth hormone. And, uh, you know, I think uh, there's definitely a role for growth hormone, and but not everyone is the, is the right candidate for it. So endocrinology is, is a lot more uh, than that. So let's let's talk about the the investigation. Do do you get a lot of patients where you have to figure out what the diagnosis is, or are they coming to you with a diagnosis first? You know both. Uh, so so a lot of times, um, if they're coming to us with short stature, like I said, short stature, puberty, these are kind of bread and butter. There, we need to figure out what what is causing that, right? So uh, absolutely, there is a workup that's involved. Um, even if it's puberty, if it's precocious puberty, well, what's causing it? So absolutely, a lot of our patients do need that workup. If it's something that is relatively straightforward, like hypothyroidism, you know, be it congenital or acquired, uh, there's not as uh, much of a detailed workup. But, uh, you know, sometimes the diagnosis is clear. Uh, a lot of times it's not. What traits do you think lead to someone being a good and a pediatric endocrinologist? Yeah, I think there's two parts to it. I think in general for pediatricians, uh, I think uh, patience is, a, is definitely a good trait or virtue to have. You know, I think uh, working with children um, does need patience and, and really you're by extension uh, treating not just the patient, but also their family. Um, as far as endocrinology, I think curiosity uh, problem-solving skills um, are important. You should like physiology, you know, uh, the pathways, the hormones, you know, things going up or down and what regulates what. Um, I, I think those are all good traits to have. Um, I also think 
being a good listener and, you know, having empathy for, especially our patients with diabetes, you know, sometimes it's easier said than done, especially when you're dealing with a teenager, you know, uh, to, to ask of them to test themselves four, six, eight times a day and give insulin shots. Sometimes, you know, things are, are perhaps a little bit easier said than done. And, you know, also realizing this is hard work. They don't get a break. Even on vacations, they don't get a break. So sometimes, you know, it helps having that empathy and putting yourselves in their shoes. Yeah. What does a typical day look like for you? Uh, it depends on the day. So typically, I will say for um, my division, uh, because we have an active fellowship program, uh, Monday mornings are didactics and journal clubs and case conferences, depending um, on the on the uh, day of the month. And um, we, in the afternoon onwards, you know, there's clinics. If um, we are on service, then we round with the fellows and the residents. We do family centered rounds. Uh, and some days I do have uh, I do have research patients or time for teaching. So I think it's a good uh, mix of, you know, teaching, research, as well as uh, clinical obligations. That's exciting. So from a from a a physician standpoint, a program director standpoint, uh, all the other hats that you wear in the hospital, do you feel like you have enough time for life outside of the hospital? Actually, I do. You know, I think it takes, uh, you know, it's, it's, I think we would all agree it's not been an easy road. It's taken a lot of hard work to, to uh, get to this, uh, this place. Uh, there have been sacrifices and we're kind of used to that. Uh, so, but I, I really think that in my specialty, I think that there is an opportunity and, you know, it is conducive to having a pretty good work-life balance. Um, you know, do I make it to all of my uh, kids' activities and everything that they want to do? Not always, but you know, I do prioritize things. Uh, I think it really also helps to be in an um, in in an academic center for me, where I have residents who I'm fortunate to work with. Residents they take care of my patients uh, when they are uh, admitted to the hospital. Uh, so we have that coverage overnight. You know, we have fellows that we get to work with and we rarely have to go in. So, you know, I think that uh, that it is quite possible, absolutely, to to have a good work life balance. What does call look like for you? So call is um, mostly we take call from home. We have a diabetes educator that takes uh, all the what we call mommy calls, you know, uh, parent calls until 10 p.m. and then overnight there's either a fellow or an attending on call uh, when we are on call. And and call is typically, you know, one weekend a month or one weekend every other month sometimes. And on average, about eight to 10 weeks a year uh, of call total. Um, so, you know, it's, it's very manageable. I rarely have to go in, you know, when I'm on call, uh, unless it's a really sick patient with diabetic ketoacidosis or uh, you know, a thyroid storm or something like that, but it's, it's seldom that I have to go in. Yeah. For the students who love working with their hands and love procedures, how, what, what is the opportunity for procedures in endocrinology? 
Yeah, that's a good question. So in general, we're not a heavy procedure-based field. Uh, our procedures are mostly, you know, kind of limited to what we would call stimulation tests. So there's growth hormone stim tests. We do a lot of ACT and stim tests, you know, it entails uh, putting an IV, giving a, an injection, and, and mostly the nurse does that. Uh, however, if someone is really inclined, uh, they can uh, get trained uh, to do uh, ultrasound of the thyroid and do a fine needle aspiration uh, biopsy. I rarely see pediatric endocrinologists do that. Mostly, uh, there, there are plenty of adult endocrinologists that like to do that, mm. and uh, or we defer to our interventional radiologists. So, uh, you know, I think most of us uh, have gone into the field. Uh, I personally don't like procedures as much, so. Uh, you know, overall, I will say this is not a very procedure-heavy field yeah. at all. Yeah. What does res the the residency and training path look like to become a pediatric endocrinologist? Yeah. So there is three years of uh, general pediatrics, and uh, towards you know your uh, latter part of second year, uh, you kind of have to decide if this is what you want to do. Generally, applications are. Um, in summer of your third year, so around July, ERAS open. So that's when you would uh, would start to apply for pediatric endocrinology. So, and that is another three years of uh, endocrinology training, uh, of which the first year at most places, I, I think it may vary a little bit from place to place, but generally, um, first year is heavy clinical, and then second and third year are uh, mostly research oriented with some clinical. Now, as the as the fellowship program director, what are you looking for in fellows? Yeah, so uh, for for any potential applicant, you know, I, I want to know what is their why. Why do they want to do endocrinology? Um, you know, what is drawing them towards the field? Um, you know, have they shown a strong interest? Uh, in this, you know, have they done a rotation? Um, I, I want to see, ideally, you know, some sort of scholarly activity, academic endeavors, you know, uh, to to make sure this is that that that's the track that they eventually would like to choose. In our fellowship, we do train uh, for our fellows to be, you know, potential academicians. And uh, so, you know, having some scholarly activity, and, and I think we all realize, you know, as residents, it's hard to get a lot of protected time. So I'm not looking for, you know, a landmark, you know, research paper or, or uh, you know, I realize that, but even a case report, uh, definitely rotating through uh, pediatric endocrinology to know what you're getting into, um, you know, and, and uh, you know, overall, I look at the whole application and, uh, also, the letters of reference, uh, you know, kind of what I, I think they say a lot about, um, you know, what and give me a good idea of what kind of applicant, you know, would be a good fit for a program. How competitive is pediatric endocrinology? You know, at this point, um, it is not that competitive. Uh, I hope the tides will turn. I think. Uh, there are more uh, positions than there are applicants right now. And, you know, for your students considering it, I think if they really 
want to match at an institution, uh, I think they have a good chance of matching there. Because in general, there are more positions uh, than there are applicants for this fellowship right now. Yeah, that's a bummer. As as a child of a of my father had type one diabetes, my cousin has type mm-hmm. one diabetes. So we we need to make sure we're we're stocking uh, the pediatric endocrinology world with lots of talented young physicians. So get out there. I completely agree with you. <laughs> I think there is a big need. Uh, obviously, I'm biased, but I think it's a it's a great specialty for a number of reasons. Uh, you know, somebody who who um, enjoys you know the, the the thinking part, putting pieces of puzzle together, and uh, establishing long term relationships with patients. I think is a great specialty, and clearly, there's a big need. So. I hope we can inspire some more people. <laughs> For the osteopathic student or resident listening to this, what do they need to do to overcome any sort of negative bias? You know, I don't think, uh, it, it, at least on my end, uh, there is not a negative bias when we look at fellowship applicants uh, from an osteopathic program. I would say the same general rules would apply to them. And I think. You know, it, at least in my program, we we welcome uh, them completely, absolutely. Good, good, good. For the future primary care pediatrician out there, what do they need to know to to better help you do your job, to better help take care of their patients? Yeah, you know, firstly, I have to say I have a lot of respect and really hold pediatricians in very high regard. Uh, I, I think I'm fortunate to have good collaboration with some of our uh, pediatricians, especially in the more kind of uh, rural areas or areas that are far from our center. You know, we we cover a large uh, referral base. So not only do we see patients from, uh, you know, all over Utah, we cover parts of Wyoming, Nevada. So some of these patients who drive, you know, four, five, six, seven hours away, especially in winter months when it's hard, we do rely uh, on the their pediatricians to uh, help in between. So what they may do sometimes is see their pediatrician in three months, get an A1C done, uh, you know, have their diabetes looked at and and also communicate with us. And we're always there to help them. But so we do. So I think it's a good collaboration you know, between pediatricians and endocrinologists. Um, the only other thing I will mention is, uh, you know, again, I kind of alluded to earlier was not all patients with short stature need growth hormone. So I think sometimes setting that expectation uh, with that family, you know, that uh, if you're going to go see an endocrinologist, it doesn't necessarily mean that you would need growth hormone or even right, the right candidate for it. Uh, so family has the right expectation when they come to see us. Yeah, um, yeah but I, I think overall, like I said, I hold them in high regard and it really is a collaborative relationship. Expectation setting is, is such a, a key thing <laughs> in life in general and even more important when talking to patients and their families because if the pediatrician says, ooh, go see the endocrinologist so that they can start this medication and then the endocrinologist says, you don't need it, then it's like, oh no, who's right, yeah. who's wrong? Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, I think most families are very reasonable. 
Um, you know, but but sometimes you do if they have that expectation. Oh, I was sent here. I drove five hours away. Uh, you know, and you're telling me I don't need growth hormone. So that's it. It becomes a little bit difficult then. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so fun. Um, <laughs> are there any other specialties or specialists that you work closely with as a pediatric endocrinologist? Actually, several. Yeah. So you know, obviously, we work with general pediatricians a lot. Uh, you know, in terms of other specialties, so uh, several, uh, who we work with closely with are, so we see a lot of patients with hematology oncology um, for, you know, reasons for, for late effects of cancer chemotherapy. A lot of them uh, develop endocrinopathies, you know, if not right away, then over time. So for ongoing hormone replacements, we do see those. We see, we have overlap with uh, patients with gastroenterology, uh, you know, some of the failure to thrive patients um, that, that we see with them, uh, genetics. A lot of our patients with Turner syndrome, Noonan syndrome, to mention a few, uh, and ICU. So, so some of our really you know, severe DKAs, uh, they go to the, the pediatric intensive care unit. Um, yeah, that is rheumatology, you know, patients on chronic steroids, we do overlap with, so I think several, several subspecialists. Yeah, that's good. That's exciting. Um, is there anything that you know now that you wish you knew before going into the field? Yeah. Um, you know, when I did my rotation, I probably didn't realize um, it, 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 almost all of our patients that we see, we order um, labs and, you know, or x-rays and some imaging. And that does, uh, that takes time and the follow-up afterward. And not, again, not that that would deter me from, from doing this all over again, but but, you know, I think it's just something to keep in mind that uh, it is heavily involved in terms of almost all of our patients need uh, need some sort of, of labs or follow-up, you know, in that regard. And that's, that does take time. Uh, what I have tried to do uh, eventually is I try to get labs done um, ahead of time. So, you know, families are inclined or motivated to do that. Then they come to the appointments with those labs and we can... We can review them at the appointment and make changes as necessary. Um, at the same time, I think we're also fortunate. I do get to spend uh, more time with the patients and the visits are, are longer than perhaps in, in general pediatrics. So there is time. There's definitely time built in to be able to do that follow-up and follow-through. But it's always helpful to have those done ahead of time and discuss at the appointment. So, you know, I didn't, I didn't realize perhaps during residency that, uh, you know, that the, that does take, you know, a good amount of time. What do you like the most about being a pediatric endocrinologist? Um, I like the fact that I can fix things uh, <laughs> and relatively quickly. You know, it's either if if you're making too much of something, I the hormone that I can I can suppress it. If you're not making enough, I can replace it, and uh, you know, instantly patients feel better. Like really, even diabetes. Not to say that it's easy, but you know, when they come in and they've been losing weight and just just feeling awful for weeks, and you start insulin. 
And you can see next day, they're like, I feel like myself again. I have energy again. You know, same thing for, for thyroid. They've just been feeling so tired and sluggish. And, you know, the difference that you see even in just, uh, just a few days, uh, thyroid, cortisol. So I, I love that aspect of, uh, of making, you know, my patients feel better um, with the tools that I have. Um, I, I also really, really enjoy the long-term relationship uh, that I get to have with my families. Uh, you know, you kind of become part of their family. Uh, you know, after a few years, I, uh, I love getting invitations to their graduation or their wedding, you know, ev- you know uh, eventually. And, and just, uh, you know, be, be kind of part of their lives. And uh, I really enjoy that aspect and having that long-term relationship with them. What do you like the least? You mean outside of paperwork and charting? <laughs> I, I used to give that as a, uh, as like a, a hedge, like you can't choose that one. Um, you know, I just prior arts and uh, the amount of time that it takes. Like if I, you know, want to prescribe even growth hormone for a growth hormone deficient patient uh sometimes it just can be challenging you know and the time that it takes to do peer-to-peer and uh you know i am doing one this afternoon that uh so you know i i think just the time just the prior odds and and all of that and i know i'm not unique in that but uh yeah i I think that's the part i like the least yeah with the the invention of the continuous glucose monitors, I know that potentially is a big game changer for, for patients who use that. Uh, I, I know just because I love data, I, I got one myself, even though I'm not a diabetic, just to, just for data to see what my body was doing when I ate and I wore it for two weeks. And the thing is phenomenal how, how it's, it's constantly tracking. Outside of that, I, I think a lot of students will, will probably know that the thing in the news lately is artificial pancreases. Um, Absolutely. How, how close to an artificial pancreas are we to, to potentially, quote unquote, cure diabetes? So, you know, I, I think it's fascinating uh, what developments have been made in the last few years and the way things are headed, right? I mean, I've been, you know, effectively, essentially doing this, what, 14 years or so now, and I things have really picked up and really changed um, in, in the last, you know, two or three years. So I completely agree. I think continuous glucose monitors uh, have been a game changer. I think absolutely it's been a game changer. I am a strong advocate for that. I, I like you, have used it myself and will still use it time to time just to see, you know, how, the, how my body responds to the foods. Uh, in terms of artificial pancreas, so I, I, I think that's sort of in a in a uh, this broad umbrella at this time where we it's it's also called closed loop system. Uh, we do have hybrid closed loop pumps uh, that are out there that are in the market. Uh, again, I definitely um, advocate for those. Uh, I think they make lives you know even a little bit easier uh, on our kids. Um, in terms, so they're hybrid closed loops in the sense you still have to enter carbs and uh, do corrections. In terms of fully 
automated closed loops. Uh, we're, that is not out in the market, but I think we are getting there. There's a lot of neat things on the horizon. And, and really, I think, uh, you know, things, things it's, it's fascinating, the, the uh, discoveries that have been there and, uh, you know, the technology that we have. And it's only, it's evolving. Um, and there's a lot of neat things on the horizon. Yeah. If you had to do it all over again, would you still be a pediatric endocrinologist? Absolutely, 100%. Um, I love what I do, and uh, I would absolutely do it all over again. Any last words of wisdom for the uh, pediatrician or pediatric resident or, or medical student listening to this potentially interested in pediatric endocrinology? Yeah, so, you know, I, I, I will say there is a lot of opportunity uh, you know, in, including clinical work, non-clinical work. I think it's a, it's an amazing. It's a great field. Uh, if if you have had an experience, mostly with diabetes, uh, you know, don't uh, don't be biased by just that. There's a lot more uh, to it. If you're even considering it, I think you know, reach out. I I for sure. Uh, enjoy getting these emails from students or residents. Hey, I am considering this. Can I come do this rotation with you? Or, you know, hey, do you have a project you think I could work on? So, you know, I think mostly pediatricians in general, and, and I know this is a pretty general statement, but, you know, I think we tend to be approachable hmm. um, and, uh, you know, reach out. I think there's a big need in the field. Um, with the way technology is going, there is a great opportunity to get involved in, you know, some of those tech companies or pharmacy, if that's what you're inclined to do, I think, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot you can do. So don't, don't let just the diabetes experience, um, you know, uh, th there's a lot more to it than that. I think sometimes our residents are very pleasantly surprised how, you know, much, wide variety of pathology uh, that they see in clinic. And, uh, you know, I think you get a chance to have a meaningful long-term relationship with patients. Uh, so if you're even thinking about it, absolutely go ahead, you know, do a rotation. I love getting those emails from residents, from fellows, uh, outside from students that they want to come rotate with us. And I think we need more people in this field. So if you're even considering it, go give it a try. All right. So there you have it again, Dr. Vana Raman, pediatric endocrinologist. If you want some more information about pediatric endocrinology, check out pedsendo.org. That's probably one of the best endocrinology or not one of the best websites for a medical society that I've found. Pedsendo.org is the Pediatric Endocrine Society. Go check them out. Thank you, Dr. Raman, for spending the time to talk with us today. Hopefully, this gave you some insight into another medical specialty out there in the pediatric world, this time for pediatric endocrinology. Have a great week. We'll see you next time here on Specialty Stories. This is MedEd Media.